the season is finally over. The regular season ended with some thrilling conference championship games, some boring conference championship games, and the committee selected the playoff teams and the New Year's Six teams, and all the rest of the bowl games are out. And of course, it came with controversy. Let's get into it. Everybody played their 12 games, certain teams advanced to play for their conference title games, and after 15 weeks, we're finally here. We have our New Year's Six matchups, we have our four playoff teams, and really, there's not much else to talk about. I'm not going to break down the conference title games game by game for the sake of breaking them down. I will break down parts of those games when they're relevant to the points I'm making. The main thing I just want to talk about is the playoff and the New Year's Six, and just college football as a whole, and some of the, this is the time of year when we talk about the issues surrounding the college football structure, and everybody's freaking out, and, and you know, playoff, uh, deserving teams, best teams, and you guys have heard my take in the last two podcasts I did about how I feel the structure should be, and also kind of how I think it pretty much is, um... It's not always run. Like, I don't think the committee actually has my brain and does it that way. Um, what I was saying in my last two podcasts was, one, how I personally think it should work. And then, two, I do think that that is kind of how it works about 99% of the way. I mean, and you might be wondering why that last podcast was two weeks ago. I, I got a little busy and with the end of the season, I just figured, you know, hey, let's just let the playoff happen and... And, and I'll break down the end of the season. Because honestly, these types of topics are what I'm most passionate about. Like, I don't... I wanted to come on last week and do the whole Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia thing before the fact. But there's just really no point. I mean, yeah, if I had, you know, thousands of listeners, you guys wanted to hear my voice every day or every week, then yeah, I'd be um, putting up a lot more. But when it comes down to those arguments, I was like, eh, I'd rather just let it play out and make the argument on the actual results versus projecting 20 different scenarios and then having to say who should go in if this happens. Who cares about that? The only thing that matters is what did happen. What did happen is we had an SEC title game between the number one and four ranked teams, and Georgia lost. Obviously, you all saw it. Classic, classic game. Great game. Heartbreaking for Georgia. Um, just Georgia sports fans in general on another note, like, think about in the last several years what they've dealt with. You consistently have, if, if you're a Georgia sports fan, most people in Georgia, you're going to pick either, you know, Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, 
So most of them are Georgia Bulldog fans in the state, and then a lot of people are most likely Atlanta Falcons fans. So think about what's happened to those two teams. In the NFL, you have the Patriots. They're that team that's just, they're always good. You know, everybody hates them, blah, blah, blah. And in college football, that same team is Alabama. And in the same building, three separate times, Georgia sports fans have seen their team almost dethrone the team that's unanimously known as the best in the in the sport, only to choke that away three different times. Obviously, the Super Bowl, Matt Ryan, the Patriots, huge lead, huge comeback. Okay, last year's national title game, Georgia's winning throughout most of the whole game. Then Alabama says, you know what, let's put a different quarterback in for fun because our back quarterback just actually has this crazy arm. And they win that game. And then this game, Georgia's up big, and Alabama comes back and wins. And honestly, because this has happened twice, and because this is just how college football is, if we're talking about this specific game, all you Georgia fans, and obviously I'm going to get on the whole why Georgia should or shouldn't have been in the playoff thing in general, but Georgia fans and, and all other fans, the people that watch the SEC championship game and are like, wow, these are clearly the two best teams because this game is so good and so intense. First of all, the game wasn't that good. A great game is a game with multiple lead changes throughout, a game where you both teams feel like they are going to lose throughout the game or bo both can consistently feel like they're going to win throughout the game, okay? Alabama's game plan for Georgia was... We're going to let you almost beat us. And I don't mean that, you hear that, you're like, um, okay, what are you saying, dude? I don't mean that from like, they, their game plan was literally like, we want them to take the lead. And then we want to be down by this many points. And then we want it to come down to, they have to miss a field goal for us to still have hope. And then we get back in it and our other quarterback's going to go out. And I'm not, I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. So don't, don't twist my words. What I meant was Alabama's game plan, the way they called plays was basically the type of thing like, hey, we're not going to expose, we're not going to do what we have to do until we have to do it. I hope that makes sense. Sorry, I, I'm a little off today. It's been two weeks since I've talked. I'm really tired today, so I hope that makes sense. But but d let me break it down in case that doesn't make sense. Alabama's game plan, and there's many teams that have these types of game plans. You really can only do it when you are the best team. And when you have that confidence that you are the best team. And when most teams look at you as like God and they're afraid of you. Uh, Kirby Smart said earlier this week that he, you know, he's seen teams lose to Alabama in warm-ups. Sports are so mental, guys. It's, it's, it's insane how mental sports are. And, and it's a good thing because if sports weren't mental, there would never be different results. Because the best player, even if he's only better by the other player, by a hairline fraction with a tiny little fraction of a number he's going to beat that person if mental um capacity and, and that stuff doesn't get thrown into the game but so what i'm trying to say is that alabama they said you know what georgia we're gonna let you throw all your punches and we're not gonna really punch back like take our crazy shots until we actually feel threatened and for bama threatened is being down by more than two touchdowns they are completely comfortable playing down by two scores early in games obviously if it's late late in the fourth quarter and alabama is down they're, they're going to be panicking but alabama basically says as long as there's mathematical possibility 
on the clock for us to come back, we're going to act calm like it's a possibility to come back. And you know what? That's really the only way to come back. The only way you can actually come back is to somehow put your mind in a state where you're not actually thinking about the comeback until you're almost about to get it. So people look at it and go, oh my gosh, what Georgia just did to Bama? Wow. Wow. I mean, could anyone else do that to Bama? Yes. There are other teams out there that in a one-game scenario, especially at the end of the season where it's a championship scenario and it's been hyped up, would probably be able to play Alabama close. Again, we're not talking about beating Alabama. We're talking about playing them close. There is such a difference between beating a team and almost beating a team, especially in this case, because Bama was okay with almost losing. They were okay with that. They just weren't going to lose. At no point in that game were they actually going to lose result in them having less points than Georgia. I don't think they were ever worried about that happening. Because they knew, hey, we we win, we're in. And think about this, guys. People always talk about how mental things come in. Like, like you know, if, uh, if Georgia goes and loses their bowl game to Texas by two touchdowns, all you're going to hear about is, well, that's because they didn't want to be there. When Alabama loses Sugar Bowls to inferior opponents, it's because they didn't want to be there, right? Well, think about this SEC championship game. Obviously, Alabama wanted to be there and was excited to be there, but you can't tell me that they felt the same pressure as Georgia. They just didn't because we all know that unless Alabama lost by like three touchdowns, they probably were still getting in. And and I've said I don't agree with that. I think you lose that game. You have to be out unless it's just so obvious that you're better than everyone else. And some of you are like, well, that is obvious. And when I mean it, it has to be obvious. I mean, like, literally it has to be so obvious that you would you would bet your own life it's so obvious. You're that unworried, okay? I'll get on that in a second because I, I want to talk about that, the little definition of unequivocally better and what that means to these people. But Georgia had to win that game to get into the playoff. Alabama didn't. And it was still a classic. It was a classic when both teams were in completely different mental states. Like, that's... People don't understand that. Yeah, Alabama almost lost a game when they were playing conservatively as a game plan for that game. And Georgia lost a game when they had no choice but to put everything in their bodies and their minds on the line for that game. So... This is a very impressive performance by Bama. It's very impressive by Georgia. And the reason I even went on that tangent is because now I'm coming back to the point I was trying to start on, and that's that the committee got it right. They got it right. Well, well, there was one thing they got wrong. I'll get to that in a second. It wasn't the playoff. The four teams, they picked the right four teams, in my opinion, and in for college football. And, I, and no, and before, I'm not someone who's just like, oh, they should put this team in because it would be better for TV, or I don't like rematches. I just don't like them in general. Like, I don't mind them if they make sense, perfect sense. But guys, like I said before, this is still a hierarchy system, just like the BCS, okay? Your record is the most important thing. If you go undefeated, in modern college football, you make the playoff. If, if you're from a Power 5 conference, again, group of five, just shut up. I'm never going to ever address you unless it's negatively. So whenever I'm talking about this, I'm talking about 
power five football, okay? There's no way that if you go undefeated, you're out. Again, the only scenario where an undefeated team is left out of the playoff is if there's five of them or six of them, right? If you had five conference champions and Notre Dame and they were all undefeated, that's the only crazy weird scenario, which has never happened, by the way, where you'd be like, oh, this is really weird. You know, you know what I mean? Like that, that just doesn't happen. It, it never happens. Okay. It, it's rare that we have three undefeated teams. It's been rare that we have two undefeated teams lately, guys. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I watched that Texas USC game, they were undefeated. Two undefeated teams. I don't think there was another game where both teams were undefeated until like 2009, like four years later when it was Texas, Alabama back at that same venue. There's always been a team with one loss. Usually it's an SEC team, right? And then maybe the other team's undefeated. Or there's been a lot of years where they each have one loss. No one's gone undefeated in the in the playoff era, only in the regular season. No one's actually won the college football playoff national championship and had an undefeated season. The last team that had an undefeated national title season was Florida State in 2013. But I harp on this hierarchy system because record matters. The next thing if you have the same record as someone else, then it comes down to tiebreakers, okay? One of the tiebreakers is head-to-head. Is that the easiest one, right? Like earlier when we were talking about Michigan and Notre Dame. Notre Dame, in my opinion, should stay ahead of Michigan as long as they have a better record. And even if Notre Dame were to have lost a game, like I think it doesn't matter because Michigan lost, but like I think that if Notre Dame would have lost to USC last week, I don't think they should have been in the playoff necessarily with that loss. Like I think an 11 and 1 Notre Dame team that loses at the very end to a 5 and 7 team should not make the playoff, but they still should be in over Michigan because Michigan has the same record as them. Not they don't right now, but hypothetically they would have the same record, but Notre Dame has the head to head and you have to respect the head to head no matter what. Otherwise you're not a sports fan. You're not a sports fan if you don't respect head to head. If that doesn't matter to you, you aren't a sports fan. You play to win the game. Okay? It's a famous saying for a reason. You play to win the game. There's a reason we actually make Alabama go on the field and play Citadel when that's the team on their schedule. Because they have to actually win the game before we give them credit for winning the game. We all know they're going to win. They still have to play the game. They have to play the game to be the champion. Okay? So, yeah, SEC lovers, you're right. On average, your conference is the, is better than the other conferences on average. So what? Like, I've said this a million times. So what? You have a conference championship to go win if you want to go make a playoff. That's pretty much how it is for every single team. And sorry, Georgia, you play in the same conference as Alabama. So if you can't beat them, there's a very, very, very small chance you're making the playoff. Last year, when you didn't have to play them, you got in the playoff with them. When you didn't have to play them. But sorry, when you play a regular season of 12 games and you lose one of them, and then you go into a championship game and you lose that game, I don't care if they were two good losses. They... Georgia had a great season. They're a great team, and they had two of the best losses. They're probably there isn't a two-loss team out there with two better. I mean, I don't know. Maybe uh, Michigan, Michigan, and Georgia. 
that's the matchup we that's the bowl game we should have seen because those two teams are so similar in the sense that both of them lost to the best two teams that they played and pretty much handled everybody else so i'm sorry Georgia shouldn't be in and Michigan shouldn't be in because they have the two losses and there's other one loss power five teams out there and by default they should just be ranked ahead of them I don't even want to bring up evidence of why those other teams deserve it and are better that should just be how it works guys okay if you win a conference championship and you have less losses than a t another team out there then you should be no brain no brainer sorry above that team it just it makes no sense to me well it, well it does make sense because of the one issue we have in college football and that is scheduling okay listen to my pot my last podcast because that schedule mandate fixes everything for me but when it came down to oklahoma and georgia you only could say georgia deserved it if in your mind and this isn't a bad opinion it's a very good opinion i think but it the only way you can put Georgia in over Oklahoma is if in your mind you think they're better. You're betting that they would go on a neutral field and beat Oklahoma. And I have no problem with that being your opinion. Honestly, it's kind of my opinion that if, you know, in a week from now we said Oklahoma and Georgia, you guys are playing in M Miami and uh, – the winner is going to the playoff. I, I think Georgia probably would win that game. It'd be close. I mean, we basically saw that game last year in the Rose Bowl. It was an epic game that could have gone either way. So, but that doesn't, to me, that doesn't mean Georgia deserves to be ranked above Oklahoma because that's not the criteria that I use because I don't think that criteria works for college football, okay? If that's your favorite criteria, then go watch NBA basketball or Major League Baseball where they're actual goal is to have the best team win the world series they want the best roster and coach to find a way to win the world series because they you get seven chances okay you have to beat a team four out of seven times guys if in order to win the national championship in football you had to beat a team four out of seven times then alabama would have won every title since 2000, since Nick Saban's been there, basically. Since 2009, their first title under Saban. Every single year, they probably beat every team four out of seven times. That That's just reality. Well, I'm not, I'm trying to think, what's the worst year Nick Saban's had since he won the, obviously that first year they were like 7-5. I think 2010. After they won the first national title in 09, when they were undefeated, I think they came back and had a 10-3 and season. I think they were... Nine and three overall. They got you know they just they lost Auburn. Obviously Auburn won the title with Cam Newton, and I think they lost a close LSU game. That was a great LSU team, and then I think they got beat by South Carolina, which you know that was Spurrier's heyday at South Carolina. So Saban's first time at Bama defending a title, and he actually doesn't defend it a crazy way. He only goes ten and three. Oh, 10 win season. I guarantee you that that ten win Alabama team who won the net title in in two thousand ten. Oh Auburn. I guarantee you that Alabama. With three losses in 2010, that three-loss 2010 Alabama team would beat Auburn four out of seven times that year. They almost beat him the first time. Remember that game? Cam Newton had an awesome comeback. It was one of the most classic Iron Bowls outside of the kick six. Alabama's up 24 to nothing, and Auburn comes back and wins. That's insane. I mean, think about that for a second. Gene Chizik and his Auburn team 
were down to Alabama by 24 points, and they came back and won the game. Can you imagine anybody doing that to Saban right now? Like, that, that's just total anomaly. But anyway, Alabama definitely beats Auburn that year four out of seven times. And honestly, I think they beat Oregon five out of five times that year. And that's no knock on Oregon. That's just... Look, Alabama's defense in 2010 was better than Auburn's. Auburn's defense with a month to get ready just shut that Oregon offense down. That Oregon offense that averaged like 45 points a, a game that year scored 19 points in the national title. And Alabama's defense would have, and Nick Saban coaching that defense would have probably just done better. So my point here is, is that you can't, I call it the Vegas theory. The Vegas theory is flawed. The Vegas theory is basically like, well, who'd be favored on a neutral field? Let's just put them in, right? Alabama will always be favored against everybody as long as Nick Saban is there on a neutral field. If, if you're a betting person, you'd be stupid to ever bet against a Nick Saban Alabama team. It doesn't mean they're actually going to win 100% of their games, but that's what you would do in that situation. <laughs> like, It doesn't make sense. So if you want to use the Vegas theory, then you're right. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson should be in, and then probably Ohio State, because I or maybe Oklahoma. But... That would be stupid. If an undefeated Notre Dame team can't doesn't get in the playoff, then we don't have a real playoff. Like that's what I'm trying to explain to everybody. And the Vegas theory is flawed for several reasons. Because you like the Vegas theory this year, right? Because you're like Georgia has two losses, but 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 one of them was like the conference title game, so like that really in a way shouldn't count. It's not fair that they had to play Alabama and Clemson had to play Pitt, and Ohio State had to play Northwestern. You're right, that, that isn't fair. But the Vegas theory is still dumb, because yeah, this year, oh, Vegas theory, Georgia's in, because they'd be favored against some of these teams. Well, guess what? In 2016, USC would have been favored against everybody, probably except Alabama and Clemson, going into the playoff. Well, they were 9-3, and three, so everybody was like, yeah, duh, they're not going in. But they would have been favored against everybody. They were so hot at the end of the season, the way they were playing. They would have beat anybody. Like, USC versus Clemson in 2015 or versus Alabama, those title games would have probably been just as awesome as the blessing we got between Alabama and Clemson that year. But we said, you lost three games, USC. You're not going. They don't care how favored you would be. Okay? And this is where real SEC biases. See, I'm always, I hate when people even say SEC bias, right? Like, I don't, I don't like that stuff. I don't think that's a real thing. I think that a lot of times the SEC is just better, which results in them getting talked about more or getting favored more. I don't have a problem with admitting that because as I've said many times, I don't think it matters if they're better. Cool. They're better. They have a harder path to win their conference versus another conference. You can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing in some cases because you have a lot of teams that just are never going to get past Bama and go to the playoff. But it also is a benefit because if you do get through that gauntlet, you're more prepared when you do get to the playoff. So kind of a double-edged sword. And that's up to coaches, players, recruits, and fans and everybody. Like, yeah, SEC, you have that thing to harp on. But you also might not make playoffs or postseason because it's harder to win. That it's a It goes both ways, okay? So... But this is where the SEC bias comes in because when these situations happen in other conferences, we never make 
these Vegas, what I call the Vegas theory argument. 2015 is the best example, the absolute best example. Because in 2015, I've talked about this before, but in 2015, Ohio State went 11-1 and and didn't make the playoff. And we had no problem with that. Here's what happened in 2015. We had Clemson went undefeated in a good ACC conference that year compared to like this year. So they were number one, obviously in, looked like the best team. Bama, 12-1 SEC champ. That, unless there's an undefeated team above them, the SEC champion's always going to be like one of the top two seeds. It was Bama again. They were 12-1. That made sense to everybody. Remember, Michigan State got the three seed. They were 12-1 Big Ten champs. Okay, on paper, that makes sense. And Oklahoma got the fourth spot. They were 11-1 Big 12 champs. No conference title game, though. Number five um, going into the playoff was Iowa. Now, remember, Iowa was undefeated going into the conference championship week. They were undefeated because just like Wisconsin last year, it's the exact same story. Iowa in 2015 and Wisconsin 2017 are the same story. They were playing in the Big Ten um, West in a year where the division is was down besides them, and they didn't play anyone in the non-conference. So in 2015, Iowa was 12-0 going into that game, had played no one. And it was a really classic defensive battle between them and Michigan State for a playoff spot, right? I mean, the winner of that game is going to the playoff because one was 11-1, and one, one was undefeated. I mean, it was just like the SEC title game from the other day. Same type of scenario. Virtually identical scenario. But if we go back three weeks before that game, Ohio State and Michigan State play. Now, going into that game, remember, Michigan State had got upset by Nebraska like three weeks earlier. These these were clearly the best two teams in the Big Ten. We, we knew it was going to come down to these two teams, right? Like, Michigan State was kind of hot that year. They had beaten Oregon at home, like... They were looking to be in. They, their running game was good. You know, Connor Cook is finally a senior. Everything was coming together. They had they were coming off two um, big bowl winning seasons. They won the Cotton Bowl, then they won the or they won the Rose Bowl, then the Cotton Bowl, and now they're about to make the playoff. Right, so they go to play Ohio State in the horseshoe. Remember, Ohio State in 2015 was like on paper the most talented roster we've seen. I mean, like maybe a couple Nick Saban teams have lived up to it. Like offensively, you know, this year's Alabama team or, or like maybe the 2011-2012 team. But like Ohio State just had a roster that could play with anybody. It was no questions asked. And they also have the second best coach. There's no doubt in anybody's mind, anybody's mind, that in 2015, Ohio State would have given Alabama a way better game than Michigan State did. I mean, that's just, just a no-brainer. We all know that it would, if Urban Meyer and an Ohio State team, especially the 2015 one, were to go into that Cotton Bowl and take on Nick Saban, I just feel like the result wouldn't have been 31-0 or 38-0, whatever it was. Just a complete shellackle. You know, they destroyed him. But we were like, okay, Michigan State has to go in. They're the Big Ten champ. And I think that was the right move. But how come that year we weren't saying, you know what? I know Oklahoma's 11-1, and but I think Ohio State should go in over them because they're just better, right? Ohio State's better than Michigan State, and Michigan State's in. So let's just put them in over Oklahoma. No, it was a no-brainer. That was I don't even remember that being a controversial topic at all that year. There was, like, no controversy that year. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to look at the – yeah, like, when, when Iowa lost, they were obviously going to be out, and they got ranked fifth. 
So there was no controversy. Then there was Stanford, who was an 11 and 2 Pac-12 champion. They were above Ohio State. Ohio State's 11 and 1. Their only loss was to Michigan State, a playoff team. Kind of a sloppy member game in the rain. Zeke Elliott was really upset afterwards. That team would have done better than Michigan State and Oklahoma that year in the playoff. But we knew that we weren't going to put them in. People weren't out crying. No one was saying Vegas. Ohio State would be favored against Michigan State and Oklahoma if they were to play them right now. They'd be favored. They'd barely be underdogs to Clemson and Bama. Like, where were all you Vegas theory guys then? Oh, you must all only be in the SEC. So, remember, I'm not someone who likes to harp on any of that SEC crap. I think Danny Cannell is like an idiot with that stuff. I love Danny Cannell. Um, But, like, I think his SEC hating is just stupid for the most part. Sometimes it makes sense, but he takes it so far that he clearly just has SEC hate. Like, he's not defending other conferences. He literally just doesn't like them, right? I'm not like that. I think it annoys the crap out of me when people talk about the SEC bias. I'm like, shut up. Beat them or shut up. I always say that stuff, right? So I'm not one of these SEC guys who like, oh, SEC and their advantages, and I'm so sad because my team's from, you know, the Midwest. No, that is not me at all. Don't care about the SEC's dominance. That's awesome. What I'm saying, though, is the people that want two teams in when Vegas has that team favored, okay? The 2015 Ohio State team deserved a playoff berth way more than the 2018 Georgia team, and the 2015 Ohio State team didn't even deserve a playoff berth because they didn't deserve it because they lost their conference to another team, and that means that that team gets to go over you. And then you can't just tell all the other conference champions that have the same record. Again, yes, if, if, if Ohio State was sitting there 2015-11-1, but Oklahoma had three losses, then I don't care if they're the Big 12 champ, right? That, though, like I said, record will trump those things. But what, no one was seeing that. And remember, this is when the Big 12 didn't have their championship game yet. So Oklahoma didn't play a conference title game that day like Michigan State did and Clemson and Alabama did. They just had their last regular season game. You know, it's just like TCU Baylor in 2014, which is kind of what kept them out of the playoff. So it's just so weird to me. I mean, 2015 was fine. Like, I was fine with 2015. But then 2016 happened, and you're like, okay, that was weird. Like, I felt like Penn State should have gone. But whatever. I mean, I guess I see why they did that. They're just not going to let a two-loss team in. And then the same thing happened the next year. And you're like, dang it. Alabama doesn't even deserve to be in the playoff. But they definitely deserve it more than Ohio State. So I guess we're going. They're going. And then, of course, they won. So that was a longish rant about... But, like, the Vegas theory is stupid, people. And we've been wrong about it so many times before. So many times before. Okay? I've said this before, too. 2006, Ohio State-Michigan. They're the, clearly the two best teams. Everyone else is a tier below them. Everyone's a tier below them. And there was so much debate. Oh, do we let them rematch for the title? Or do we not? Hmm. They decided, thankfully, not to. They said, Michigan, you had your chance. You're going to the Rose Bowl. Ohio State, you get to go win the national title. Except for Florida came in there and destroyed Ohio State. Ohio State did not deserve to be on the same field as Florida. And USC destroyed Michigan. So we could look back on it. And remember, they didn't have the playoff back then, but we could look back on it and go, oh, if we had a playoff that year, 
it would have been Ohio State versus Florida and USC versus Michigan, and then we would have had a Michigan, I mean, a USC Florida national title. That's probably what would have happened that year. Well, that year we only got to put two teams in, and we couldn't forecast and say, well, USC and Pete Carroll, they're, they're probably better, right? They're, I know they have two losses, but they'll probably go spank Michigan in the Rose Bowl. No, that's not how it worked. Ohio State got to go because they were undefeated and clearly up to that point the best team in the nation. And Michigan didn't get to go because they had one loss and didn't win their conference, already played Ohio State. And Florida, who had one loss but won the SEC, was given the opportunity to go. And that's where all this SEC stuff started, folks. That's the game. It's funny how that game doesn't have like a lot of historical relevance to like the sport, but it should have more than almost any. That was the day everybody was realized how more dominant the SEC just kind of was as a whole than a lot of the other conferences because Florida was such a big underdog going to that game for a title game that is right and Ohio State had no answer for them Florida's defense was so dominant Florida's offense was so dominant and then the next year the same thing happened right Ohio State plays LSU and the same thing happens and that's what snowballed this whole SEC thing where we get to 2018 and we have these words like SEC bias and trying to put two lost SEC teams in over one loss conference titles it's just it's so dumb and I need to um, address some of you real quick because some of you are like you're just hearing me and you want to pull your hair out because you're like Michael you're so stupid it's about the best four teams and that's fine. If, if your theory is best for teams, that's fine. But then you are the Vegas theory. That's fine. Okay? But then you have to be consistent. That's all I'm saying. If you're a Vegas theory person, if you are someone harping for Georgia to get in right now, then you have to say that 2015 was the most corrupt year in the football, in the college football playoff. If, if you're a logical person, you would have to make that claim. I think. I just don't. I just don't see how that's, like, no. Think, I mean, maybe there's just been that much of a roster drop-off between 2015 and 2018, but think about it. That 2015 Ohio State team, a great roster, they went into the postseason ranked 7th. They're not even top 5. And I think that was a mistake. I think that they should have been ranked in these final rankings. Like I said, I was fine with them not making the playoff, but I think Ohio State should have been fifth. They would have been favored by so much against Iowa and Stanford. I mean, Stanford beat Iowa in the Rose Bowl that year by like 50. And Ohio State definitely would have been favored by Stan over Stanford that year. If, if you don't know that, if that sounds weird to you, then you just can't remember college football like I can because I remember every year... I remember who was good that year, who was bad, like what we were talking about. You know, a lot of people, like they're really, they understand that year, but then five years go by and they look back on that year's final rankings. And they're like, oh, what? why did we do that? Like, what, what was going on? That's not me. I remember, I know exactly why we did all those things when we did them. Not bragging, that's just my weirdo sports brain for college football. It works that way. So Ohio State should have been fifth in that ranking. And that's why when I get to this, this is where the college football committee did mess up this year. Not that it matters because it literally doesn't matter at all. But they put, if you noticed, Georgia was ranked fifth, not sixth. See, everybody thought Georgia's either going to get fourth or they're going to get sixth. But they got fifth, which is really weird to me. Because that means the committee, although I think they got it right, they didn't get it right by my metric because they basically told Ohio State that you weren't in consideration. Georgia was still ahead of you. It came down to Georgia and Oklahoma for us, not Oklahoma and Ohio State. And that kind of baffles me a little bit because 
One, just my hierarchy system where I think Ohio State being a one-loss conference champion, they just, no-brainer, should be above a two-loss non-conference champion, right? That's just how I think about it because I think results matter and I think most deserving is the best four. I think the best four and the most deserving four are the same thing. People try to say, that oh, that, that's a different thing. What If Oklahoma deserves to be in the playoff but Georgia is better than them, then they don't deserve to be in the playoff. Okay? And, and, and I'll go back to, like I said, guys, I think Georgia, if I was betting, if I had to bet money, my own personal money for my own personal decisions, then I would bet on Georgia to beat Oklahoma right now. But that is not how we should be sending kids to play for championships. Just think about how dumb that is, guys. What if the NFL did that? What if the NFL had an AFC championship game and an NFC championship game like they do every year, and the AFC kind of beat itself up that year, and the AFC championship game was like a a 10-6 team versus a 9-7 team, and the NFC championship game was like a 12 or like a... 14 and 2 team versus like a 15 and 1 team and they're clearly the two best teams in the NFL no questions asked it's so obvious to everybody the reality is is the winner of that game goes to the Super Bowl and the loser goes home and it would there's no world where the NFL could come out and say hey we're going to actually give it to the AFC champion loser or NFC champion loser, we're going to let them advance to the Super Bowl over the NFC champion winner because we just know on paper if that team was to play that team, we know they'd win. I mean, we'd all bet that. And that's what gets us to the, you know, what I said, the unequivocally better thing. Because according to the committee, they only have to compare teams and follow their tie-breaking criteria. See, I like the tie-breaking criteria they use. It's perfect. It's the one that I use, okay? Record, then head-to-head, conference champions, like opponents. If you have to compare two teams because there actually is a tie, that is the process you should use. The problem is is they slipped a little part in where, well, if we feel that the teams are even, meaning if they just feel like Georgia's better than Ohio State, because, you know, they just feel that way. They just, we watch the games and we just, we just feel that way. It just feels like Georgia's better, guys, then they get to decide that results don't matter and Georgia just gets to go to the playoff anyway. That that doesn't make any sense. And like I said, you have SEC bias if you're only doing that this year, but you're not doing that in 2015 or even hell in 2014. And in 2014, there were a lot of people saying that um, Florida State should have been in over Baylor, but that just wouldn't have made sense, guys. Wouldn't have made sense, okay? So, College football, just because we added a playoff, doesn't mean it took away from the fact that the regular season has always been a playoff. It's always been a playoff. But if I think a team's unequivocally better than another team, I don't even have to compare them. That is messed up, guys. Think think about how messed up that is, okay? You, oh, the BCS system was messed up? The BCS would never do things like that because it literally couldn't. But if 13 people in a room decide that we just think Georgia looks better than this Ohio State team that accomplished more than Georgia. So we're just going to put Georgia in. Like, guys, that that isn't fair to Georgia because 
if guys, if you're a Georgia fan, I understand like because you've been told and we've all been told that it's four best teams. It's the four best teams regardless of anything. Four best teams. Because of that argument, you feel like you should be in. But at the same time, go back to the way college football works. You do you really want to lose in advance? Like, do you I understand like, yeah, when you won a national title, you don't really care about anything else. You're like, yeah, I don't care how we get to the national title game and win it, even if it's really awkward and weird and isn't even normal college football. We won our title. So as Georgia fans, I understand that if I was a Florida State fan and this happened to us and I and I just knew in my heart that we would be favored against some of these teams that made the playoff, I'd probably from the standpoint of defending my team feel that same way. But that's just not what college football is, guys. The Vegas theory is flawed. That's why I don't like the NBA, especially in today's NBA when there isn't parity. Because even when there is extreme parity in the NBA, you're always going to have the best team win. Maybe you get to the finals and, and you know, it's closer, but like, like, you know, series do go seven games, uh, you know, for the people like, what are you talking about? Some series go seven games. That means they're even kind of, but I mean, the reality is like you had, you had seven chances at someone, maybe you split them because you guys are even. So that's how you find out if teams are actually even, but we always know at the end of an NBA series who the better team is. And we decide in the NBA, that's how we crown the champion. But right now with the NBA has such lack of parity, I already know who's going to the finals, Golden State, because who's going to beat them four out of seven times. I mean, that's just, that's like impossible to ask anybody to do, to do that, right? If, if the NBA played an N, like the NCAA tournament, if Golden State just had to lose a postseason game and their season's over, that's why March Madness is awesome, guys. A one seed finally lost last year. Virginia was better than that team that beat them. They lost and they were better. That doesn't mean they get to advance. The 16 seed crappy team i don't even remember the name of beat virginia and that's why they got to advance okay that's why the ncaa tournament is so freaking awesome because it doesn't matter who's better you have to go win seven six seven games in a row or you don't get to be the national champion and it doesn't matter how awesome your season was you lose you lose right i'm pretty sure alabama would have i mean they won most of the national championships they played for the only one they lost was that clemson one but I'm pretty sure they would have beat Clemson four out of seven times that year. It's not about being the best roster and being able to say four out of seven times, we got that team. That's the opposite of what college football is about. The complete opposite of what college football is about. It's never been about that. It's always been about the opposite. Hey, we're better than you, but we get to go play one game and we have to show up and beat you. Okay, Ohio State, Purdue. You think Ohio State's losing to Purdue four out of seven times? But we want to say, oh, but they lost. How do you, oh, a 30 point loss. The reality is, if Ohio State and Purdue had to play three more times after the 30 point loss, Ohio State probably would have won by an average of 30. But oh, they lost. They lost. So we we won't get over it. Right? We, we won't get over that. And that makes sense. And going forward, if you really want to know what the committee does each year, guys, Joel Klatt said it perfectly. They don't give a crap about your ceiling. They're always going to look at your bottom. What was your bottom? Every single year when they're comparing, when there's always those two or three teams for that last spot, 
the team that had the worst performance, not worst resume, not who got through the season, but played, you know, not the strongest, like Notre Dame's undefeated, but they don't look that good. It's not been about that. It's always been, what was the worst thing that happened to that team this year? And if your worst thing is worse than the other team's worst thing that you're getting compared to, you will be out, okay? Let's go year by year. We'll start with this year, okay? Who were the teams competing for that fourth spot this year? It was Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State. Uh, apparently, it was only Georgia and Oklahoma. And what did they say? They said, Georgia has an incredibly high ceiling. They probably could even beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a great team also. But what did these teams look like at their worst? At Oklahoma's worst, they were a three-point loss on a neutral field to a 9-3 regular season Texas team. That is not bad. That is not a bad loss for anyone. Okay? It's a loss, and losses are never good, but it's not a bad loss. Georgia, at their worst, got throttled by an LSU team who has the same record as that Texas team. So, that's what they do. And they said, you know what? You had the worst performance. Of all the teams considering for the playoff, Georgia, you had the worst performance. You have a second loss to go with it. You weren't able to avenge either of your losses. See, what happened to Georgia um, last year... See, Again, this is another reason why Georgia shouldn't be complaining about Oklahoma being in over them. Guys, you were Oklahoma last year. You had a bad loss last year. Georgia got beat bad by Auburn. It was embarrassing. It was like, what the heck? And then they came back in the SEC championship game, and they beat that team. And they beat them bad. They avenged their loss. Oklahoma did the same thing. Oklahoma lost a close game to Texas this year. They, they lost by three points. They come back later in the year, and they beat them by over 10 points. So... That was more impressive of a win. Georgia's only shot to make the playoff after that LSU loss, they had to win the SEC. That was what they had to do. They either had to beat Bama or hope that Georgia, I mean, or hope that LSU made it and avenge their loss like Oklahoma did. That, that was their chance. They didn't do it. And that's why at the end of the day, like, why would, I don't, if Georgia would have won yesterday and not got in, which that would have never happened, but then I understand why you scream for the hills, but like, you're really going to waste a bunch of breath saying, complaining about not getting in when you just lost. Like you, I don't, and I know you lost to Bama and they're the best. So that makes you at least second or third best and you should be in. But the reality is you just lost. If you wanted to make the playoff, don't give up your 14 point lead to Bama. Don't choke a national championship away and an SEC championship away and have your NFL team choke away the Super Bowl. Like just win those games. Just win them. You know? as a Florida State fan, I'll tell you, in 2014, it, you know, we were losing all those games, and I was like, hey, we're winning. We win, we advance, it doesn't matter. And when the Oregon game come, it didn't matter. You know, we lost because it finally caught up to us. And what was it going to say after the loss? Like, hey, a team finally, we finally did it to the team we couldn't do it against. Oregon wasn't the team you could get down on that year. And they made us pay. And we lost. And it was over. I mean, what if Florida State fans after that loss would have said, you know what, the playoff is stupid because if it wasn't for the playoff, we would already be in the title game. And that's another, that's where I want to segue to you guys. And I think after five years, the playoff is not better than the BCS. It's not better. It really isn't. Think about it. The first year was this big tease. Because 
it, we had a different matchup than the BCS would have given us. So that, and that's why people bought in really early, right? Because if we would have had the BCS system in 2014, it would have been Alabama versus Florida State, right? Florida State was the defending champions. They went undefeated again. They would have gone in as number one. And then the next, and then the best one loss team would have gone. And obviously that year it would have been Bama. Bama got the one seed over Florida State that year. Even though Florida State wasn't defeated. So, but what happened? Oregon beats Florida State and ends up by the second half beating them pretty good. You know, running away with it. And they were the 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 two seed. Florida State was a three seed. And then Ohio State beat, beats the one seed Bama. And they were like controversial pick like to even get in the playoff. And then they win the title game. The four seed wins the title in year one of the playoff. The playoff is awesome. Except for we did overlook the fact that there was of the three. See, every playoff we get three games. The two semifinals and the title. In year one, only one of those games was an awesome competitive game. It was the Stricker Bowl between Ohio State and Bama. Oregon didn't, I mean, they didn't blow Florida State out like from the get-go, but by the time that game was over, you know, Oregon won handily. Same with the uh, national title game. It was close throughout the game, but by the time the title game was over, Ohio State had kind of won handedly. So yeah, that year, you know, the playoff worked. That year, the BCS would have, quote-unquote, gotten it wrong because probably Ohio State was better than Florida State, right? But, most years, the BCS always got it right. Because if you look back throughout the BCS history, right, 1998 to 2013, there were some controversial years. I mean, every year there's a little controversy, right? Every year there was always, with the exception of maybe two or three years, there was always like, well, number one's obvious, but two and three, that's where the hard thing is, two and three. Never for four, right? There was never a time in the BCS era where you were like, ugh, these four teams all deserve a shot at the title. Ugh. It's never gone down like that. There's always been a clear frontrunner leader that obviously should be in the title game, and then maybe you argue between two teams to put in the second spot. And you know what? When that happens, I don't think it's the end of the world, you know? This year would have been bad for the BCS because this is a year... Well, it would have been bad and good. It would have been good in the sense that this is a year where we feel like the top two teams have clearly separated from everyone else. So if that's the case, why do we even argue about who should be the fourth spot if we think one and two are so much better? The BCS would have worked this year because it would have had Alabama-Clemson, and that's what we all think the titles should be anyway, and that's what we all think when we fill out our pools. That's what we're all going to put... When you have serious money on the line, are you going to pick Oklahoma to beat Alabama? Are you going to pick Notre Dame to beat Clemson? I don't think that's a terrible pick. But no, as far as money goes, it's just that's you're probably not going to risk that, right? So the only bad thing about the BCS this year would have been the fact that Notre Dame as an undefeated team would have been left out. That's always you know where the most controversy comes from, right? So it was that scenario right there was the reason we wanted a 14 playoff. Well, the only other time that really had happened was 2004 when USC, Oklahoma, Auburn were all undefeated, right? There's been plenty of BCS years where there was controversy about who the second team should be. There's never been controversy about who the first team should be, right? During the BCS era, there was never years where someone said, I think the title game should be these two teams and where someone else said, I think the title game should be two different teams than those two. Meaning, I think there's two other teams better than those two teams. That never happened. But we expanded this playoff, 
and it's proven to not really work in because there's only been like in the semifinals, I think we've only had two competitive games. Let's go year by year real quick. 2014, the two semifinals, Oregon blows out Florida State and Ohio State wins by a touchdown. They really won by two touchdowns. Alabama managed to come get like a, a touchdown late in the game, but they needed two to win. So it was kind of like a touchdown for nothing. Like they got a Hail Mary chance at the end. So I guess it was kind of close. I mean, that game was close. It wasn't like a down to the last second close, but it was it was close. Okay, so we have one close game in 2014. 2015, guys, was not close, the semifinals. The Clemson-Oklahoma game was kind of close in the beginning. It was a lot like that Oregon-Florida State game. But by the end of the game, Clemson done ran away with it, won by more than 20 points. And that year, Alabama destroyed Michigan State in the semifinal. So after 2015, we're one for four in the semifinals being competitive games. 2016, same thing. Alabama... They didn't annihilate Washington, but they controlled them all game. They were clearly better. Washington would not have beaten Alabama one out of even maybe three times. It just was obvious. You know, it wasn't like a complete debacle like Michigan State the year before, but it was just like a, hey, you have heart, you're good coached, but there's just nothing you're going to be able to do against us. At the end of the day, we're always going to win. That game wasn't super competitive by the end. I think the final was like 24-7, okay? And then the other side, what was that? That was 2016. So then the other side, Clemson destroyed Ohio State. So three years into the playoff, and we're one out of six. That's not good, I don't think. Okay? And then last year, we finally had another competitive game. Okay? The the Clemson-Alabama game was not competitive. That was an Alabama crockpotting. The Rose Bowl was competitive. So we're two for eight in the college football playoff era as far as the semifinals being competitive and when i say they weren't competitive i don't i'm not talking like i'm mad because i wasn't entertained i'm not talking about that i'm saying they were a waste of, what what's the point of the playoff right the whole point was it's not fair that we only let two teams go play for the title when there's clearly at least three sometimes four maybe five teams every year that realistically have a shot at it right there's always the front runner and then those, you know, there's three, four teams that have a shot at that front runner. No, every year there's pretty much only one team that has a shot at that front runner. And the BCS got it right eight out of ten times. That was the actual number, but just in general, right? Like I said, the only year the BCS got it wrong was 2004. because, And the only reason we can even say they got it wrong is because Oklahoma got beat so bad by USC that we just assume Auburn probably would have given them a better game. But there's no way to know that. And that's what I'm saying. This unequivocally better stat that they use is so stupid to me. Unequivocally better means I literally would play Russian roulette with that team. Like, unequivocally better, if you're going to say, like, we don't have to compare these teams because it's so obvious that team is better, that better mean that you're willing to, like, risk your family's life. That's how confident you are that that team is better. And you think anyone would do that? No, because, I mean, you should never risk your family's life even for things that are obvious but like what i'm trying my point i'm trying to prove is like that's what unequivocally better should be like georgia compared to four lost teams okay that's where you're like okay that team's better like obviously right georgia's better than northwestern okay they're unequivocally better than northwestern 
that's unequivocally better. Sorry, unequivocally better is not that other really good one-loss team. I think Georgia's better because they're favored on neutral field. That's awesome. That's a good opinion. It might even be the right opinion, but that is no way to choose who gets to go play for a national championship and who doesn't. Results matter. Oklahoma accomplished more than you, Georgia. Doesn't matter if relatively their schedule was a little lighter or yours was a little tougher than theirs. That's all relative. You don't get to just say, oh, on paper, the data point shows that our schedule was a little bit tougher, so we're allowed to have a second loss. No. Sorry. You don't. Like I said, if it somehow came down to Georgia versus Northwestern for the fourth spot, yeah, we don't have to have a debate. They're unequivocally better, and we're going to put them right in. But unequivocally better, I mean, to me, that's just what that means. Unequivocally better just means so blatantly, obviously better. 10 out of 10 times you're winning against that team. That's better. Or at least 4 out of 7 times you're being, I mean, no. I mean, it's just, that's so dumb. You think if Oklahoma and Georgia were to play 10 times that one of those teams is going to win more than 6? No. So then one is not unequivocally better than the other. Unequivocally better than the other is a sweep in an NBA Finals, okay? Unequivocally better was when the Cavaliers got swept in like 06 to the Spurs, uh, LeBron's first Finals, right? They lost all all four right from the get-go. Never won a game, okay? that The Spurs were unequivocally better, right? Alabama's unequivocally better this year than LSU, because LSU's 9-3 and three and lost to Bama by 29 points. I know they're unequivocally better than LSU. I don't know that they're unequivocally better against who else, right? Like, I don't know if Alabama's unequivocally better than Clemson or Notre Dame or even Georgia. I know that they beat Georgia when they played. But, so even if you think that Georgia is better than Oklahoma... You can't say that the gap between Georgia and Oklahoma is bigger than the gap between Alabama and Georgia. So in other words, you're right there. It's so close that you're going to go with the team that accomplished more. And it's such a no-brainer, guys. Like, gosh. You both had great seasons. You're comparing two really good teams. And yeah, if you want to get so crazy technical, then you can probably say that on a neutral field, one of them would be favored right now, so we should take that team. But the reality is you have, you're comparing two really good teams. You're obviously just going to take the one that accomplished more than the other one. Like, why is this even a debate? I'll tell you why it's a debate. Because people forget how we got here, right? College football is flawed. That's why we try to make this weird system, right? I'm telling you, my schedule mandate would fix everything. We don't need an eight-team playoff. The four-team playoff is fine. But if we could just somehow mandate that everyone play the same schedule, the, we, we, we wouldn't have these problems, right? That's the reason I want the teams to play those schedules, not because of the entertainment and how that would be 20 times better for the sport and for players and for coaches and viewers and fans, but because it would fix this problem, guys. And it's not just a playoff problem, right? It's a New Year's Six problem. Go further down the line. The Sugar Bowl is being played between Georgia and Texas. And that's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm stoked for that matchup. That's, that's a sexy matchup. It makes a lot of sense. But why is Texas in that game? I, I think Texas is totally worthy of a New Year's Six game. Nine and three teams should go to New Year's Six games, I think, 
for the most part. Not not all of them, because there's too many of them a lot of times, but a 9-3 and three is a good season. If you have a chance to win 10 games, then you reasonably, most years, should be in the New Year 6. Guess who's not in a New Year 6 game? Kentucky, Penn State, they're 9-3. and three. And it's fine that, in general, they're not in a New Year 6 game. If you're 9-3, and three, you don't just deserve a New Year 6 game. It's kind of like on the fence, right? Like 10 wins and above in a Power 5 conference, you should be in a New Year's 6 game. Almost no questions asked, unless there's just so many of you, we have to leave one out, right? But 9-3 nine, nine teams, it's kind of like, okay, depending on what kind of 9-3 and three team you are, you might get New Year's 6, you might not. If you lost, like, at the end of the season, that might kick you out. If you, like, got hot at the end of the season, that might get you in, right? That's kind of how they work. And I'm fine with that. Some 9-3 and three teams are going to go, and some aren't. But shouldn't the higher-ranked teams go over the lower-ranked ones? That's why I don't understand. So Kentucky and Penn State are also 9-3 and three teams. They're not going to New Year's 6 games. And that's fine. But why is Texas ranked lower than them, then? That makes no sense. Unless they're just... I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how they put the teams in the New Year's 6. I think it should just be the top 12. The playoff is for the top 4... And the New Year's six, if we have six games, that means there's going to be 12 teams. If those are the six best bowl games, then shouldn't it be the 12 best teams or the teams ranked 1 through 12? I mean, it's why did, I mean, I feel like they, they lowered Texas ranking because Texas lost this last weekend, right? And even though I just went on huge tangents about you should be punished for losing... There is one one area where I don't agree on teams being punished for losing, right? Let's say there's three teams in a conference, right? One of them's 11 and 1 and the other one then there's two other teams that are 10 and 2 or 9 and 3. They both have the same record, right? Let's say they're both 10 and 2 or they're both 9 and 3. It doesn't matter which one that is, right? Well, one of them is going to play that the the better team in the conference title game, and the other one didn't win their division, so they don't get to play in a game. What you see happen a lot of years is the loser of that conference championship game won't go to a New Year's Six game, but the team that didn't win the division that now doesn't have that extra loss, they'll then jump that team because they didn't play, so they didn't lose, and they'll go to a New Year's Six game, and that's what's stupid. Obviously, I just talked about how Georgia should be punished for losing, and this scenario this year, they don't deserve one of the top four spots because they have the two losses. Like, losing does count. But, like, a conference championship game is an advancement game. So if you lose that game, you shouldn't be punished more than a team that didn't even get to go to that game, right? And, and we this happens a lot. What my favorite example of this was in 2012, actually, when, and it was from the SEC. The SEC had a great year in 2012. Alabama was number one. Alabama went on to win the title. Georgia had a 12 and one regular season, and Florida had a 12 and one regular season. So the East had two juggernauts, right? And Georgia won the Florida game, so they won the division. That was Florida's only loss was the Georgia game that whole year. Florida beat a lot of really good teams. They beat a, a really good Florida State team at the end of the year. They just lost that stupid Georgia game. Well, Georgia had lost another game in the year at a different point. forget exactly which one. But they beat Florida. They won their division. So the SEC championship game that year was a 12-1 Alabama, 12-1 Georgia. The winner is going to play Notre Dame in the national title game. And the loser 
still had a great season. But that year, guess what happened? Georgia lost Alabama in a classic SEC game. Kind of just like the one we just saw, right? A heartbreaker. They were close, but they just couldn't get it done. They didn't go to a New Year's Six game that year, but Florida did. Florida got to go to the Sugar Bowl. I mean, that year, they should have both been in New Year's Six games because they were both so good. But that was, in the BCS era, we actually had a rule that you couldn't have more than two teams from the same conference in those in those BCS bowls. Where this year, I don't know if you noticed, but Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and LSU are all in New Year's Six games. It's pretty crazy. Four teams, one conference, all in those those top games. So that's the scenario where I'm actually glad that Texas is going to the Sugar Bowl instead of maybe a Penn State, Kentucky, because it would have been dumb for them to be punished for losing their conference title game in the sense of like dropping them below teams that didn't even achieve that part, right? Again, I'm not being contradictory to what I just said about Georgia being punished for losing. Georgia's punished for losing because there's other teams that accomplished more than Georgia that deserve more than Georgia. But in the scenario where you beat Florida, right? You're So in the regular season, you guys had the same record, but you have head-to-head. The only reason you have that second loss is because you went to play Alabama, which, again, in 2012, I think, even though Georgia and Alabama, that was the national title, right? In 2012, that was the national title because both of those teams would have both spanked Notre Dame the way Alabama did. So I don't think there should have been a rematch in the title. Notre Dame was undefeated. They deserved to be there. Get over it. But... Georgia deserved to be in a New Year's Six game and probably deserved it more than Florida. But for some reason, the BCS era almost took my hierarchy like too far and said, well, there's something about 12 and 1 that's just sexier about 12 and 2. So Florida's going. Georgia, you just lost, you know? Like, I didn't like that part of it. So if Texas is going to go to a New Year's Six game instead of teams like Kentucky and Penn State, then why aren't they ranked above those teams? Why is Penn State, like, 12 or 13 where they are? I think Penn State might be 11, 12, wherever they are, right? And then Texas is all the way down at, like, 15, 16. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't matter because they got the bid and Penn State didn't, but it's just like, why? It doesn't look right. Because if I'm Penn State, I'd be saying... Why are we ranked ahead of Texas but going to a worse bowl game? Doesn't make any sense, all right? So that part doesn't matter that much, but um, because I think the bowls were still selected, right? Like, I think Texas is the one that should have gone over a Penn State because I think Texas and Penn State are both 9-3 and three teams, okay? Texas is a 9-4 and four team because they accomplished more than everybody else and got to go play in a postseason game. So... I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, I think I talked about everything I wanted to talk about, but I'm sure I left some stuff out. But I think throughout the bowl season, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have like a bowl preview. I I really have no desire to break down all these bowl games and pick predictions. I mean, I'm, I'm in my pool. I'll do that. The only games I care about as a fan are obviously college football playoff, the New Year's Six, and then that next tier of bowl games that are still pretty good. But once you start getting to bowl games where both the teams are unranked or only one of them is, or obviously all the group of five bowl games, then like I just I just don't care about those games. I'm sorry. Um, so other than the New Year's Six, which every New Year's Six game I am, I'm excited for. Obviously, the playoff's going to be 
awesome. But guys, the Sugar Bowl, Georgia, Texas, I mean, what a sexy matchup. And those teams both had good years. That's going to be a good game, right? I, I feel like people might not be thinking that about that game because they think, because, you know, most people think Georgia should just spend the playoff. Obviously, Texas wasn't a playoff team, so Georgia's must be way better than Texas. And I think, like, right now today, that, that might be true. But again, these bowl games are played, like, a month from now, right? That That's... The, they're so the way you game plan for a game with a week to get ready is completely different than with a month to get ready, right? That's why teams always score less in bowl games because defenses have more time to break them down. But this game also, you know, if Georgia's um, down on themselves for not making the the national title or the playoff, and Texas is like, hey, first New Year's Six game in like ten years almost, then they could come to play, and Georgia might be caught off guard. I don't think that'll happen. I do think it'll be a close game. Rose Bowl, guys. Wow. Ohio State, Washington. That's a classic Rose Bowl matchup. But I was kind of hoping for Washington, Michigan, so we could get some repeats of like those uh, early 90s Rose Bowls when Washington and Michigan play. Those are some really good games. But Ohio State, Washington, that's going to be fun to see, guys. Dwayne Haskins up against the Washington secondary. Are you kidding me? That's going to be a lot of fun. Ohio State's run defense against uh, Miles Gaskin. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, eh, I mean, not to be rude, but for me personally, whatever game the group of five team gets into, that's always the least anticipated New Year's Six game for me as, as like a fan, because a lot of times I don't think they should be there. Now, the last several years, I've agreed with who they put in, you know, like UCF, they have no business being in the playoff, but I don't have a problem with them being undefeated and making New Year's Six games. I do have a problem with the group of five getting an automatic New Year's Six qualifier. I think you should have to be undefeated and ranked in the top 12 if you want to make a New Year's Six game as a group of five. That That's just dumb. Like, that's how it should be. So there were some years where I just don't like that the group of five gets in because to me, if you're not ranked in the top 12, then all you're doing is just taking the spot away from another team that played in a Power 5 conference, that has a logo that we recognize. I mean, for example, UCF is good this year, so they're worthy. But what if the Fiesta Bowl was LSU Penn State, right? Because if UCF wasn't undefeated, or and we didn't have to put a group of five in, we would just choose another really good 9-3 um, Power 5 school to play LSU, right? So that could be Kentucky, well, not Kentucky because it's two SECs, but the other 9-3 and three schools, right? It could be, you know, West Virginia's 9-3, and three. Um, Washington State's 10 and 2, right? Like, and they're low, and you know, and, and part of that is me just being like a little fanboy. Like, the reality is, is those logos are sexier and that matchup is sexier. But I'm okay with it, you know, this year and last year because UCF, while their logo isn't as sexy, they are a very good undefeated football team that is definitely a top 12 team. Maybe not now without Mackenzie Milton, but again, I don't think injuries should keep you. I think if you accomplish things and then someone gets injured, that shouldn't keep you out of a certain, certain spot. So I'm okay with UCF being in there. I just don't like the years where it's like a an eleven and one like eighteenth ranked Houston team or like you know like if like if uh, UCF would have lost to Memphis we would have got like Boise State in I mean Boise State's also a decent group of five school but they're like ten and two eleven and two now like I'd rather not I just they don't deserve to go up against LSU in a Fiesta Bowl at ten at eleven and two. There's definitely other teams out there, power five, nine win teams, ten win teams that 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 would deserve that. That that doesn't matter though. But Peach Bowl, Michigan, Florida, that's gonna be good too. 
Um, really excited to see if Dan Mullen with a month to get ready can like get the offense more efficient going up against that good Michigan defense. And that that's a that's a big one, guys. That Michigan one for the perception of the Big Ten SEC thing, that's big because Michigan's clearly the second best team in the Big Ten. Florida is like the fourth, fifth best team in the SEC. So if they're able to beat Michigan bad, that's just going to kind of show a lot. Um, and then the other bowl games, like I said, if it's two unranked teams, like I'm going to watch them. I watch all these bowl games, but I'm just not as excited. Like Citrus Bowl, Penn State, Kentucky, it's going to be awesome. Gator Bowl, Texas A&M, NC State, that's a nine-win NC State team that should be ranked somewhere. I don't know why they're not, but that's going to be a great game. Holiday Bowl, Utah Northwestern, that'll be awesome. And then, let's see, oh yeah, uh, Camping World Bowl, Syracuse, West Virginia. That one's going to be cool. See, this game, I was hoping that they'd put NC State in over Syracuse because West Virginia and NC State were supposed to play earlier in the year, and they didn't. And then the Alamo Bowl, Washington State, Iowa State. That one, that's a cool matchup. Just the way both those teams are playing, that'll be cool. So that's what I'm excited for. And bowl season, oh, I want to say this real quick before I go, to all you conference supremacy people out there. Um, People have a tendency to argue about conference supremacy all year long, and then once the bowl games happen, both sides shut up. Like, they just don't care anymore. Like, even if the SEC, it's obvious that they're better, they don't care to rub it in your face once all the bowl games are over. And all the teams defending their conferences, like even in years like 2016, when it was shown that the SEC wasn't the best and other conferences had actually, you know, emerged, then even the people that hate the SEC, like when the season's over, they don't even like point that out that much. They're like over it. Um, the bowl season is like half of the thing that tells us is where the conferences are. Okay. Regular season matters, but at the end of the day, when I'm judging what conference is better than another conference, I look at their records and their records against other conferences, and the bowl games are a huge part of that. The whole structure of the bowl games is we're going to take teams from conferences that are ranked evenly in those conferences and play each other to see like how those conferences go, right? The Rose Bowl... You know, like the, the BCS games are always like, okay, the best teams from each conferences. You're going to have like a Big Ten champion play a Pac-12 champion and an SEC champion play a Big 12 champion, right? And then as you go down the other bowl games, they're all tiered, right? So then like the, this bowl would be um, Big Ten number two versus um, SEC number two. And you trickle down all the way to where like this bowl game is ACC number five against Pac-12 number five, right? That's the whole point. And those games, that's how you tell who the conferences are because if the Pac-12 loses all their bowl games like last year that's the sign that they're the worst conference that's more telling to me than the regular season and the regular season non-conference record like to me that matters a lot but on both sides of the argument like the bowl games are over people are like oh the season's done it's over it's like people only use the conference supremacy arguments to argue where teams should go in the postseason and that's why i think it's a stupid argument because i don't think that should ever be a factor in determining who goes where um we have five Power Five conferences. I know that some are better than others, and every year it varies. But at the end of the day, we just need to respect the teams that accomplish championships in those conferences if they have really good records. So just remember that these bowl games matter, okay, 
for that whole conference perception thing. Again, if you don't care about conference perception stuff because you're kind of normal and you're not a weirdo, then that's fine. But I'm, I'm talking to the people. Like if you're one of those conference supremacy guys, if you're an SEC chest thumper, the bowl season is where you get your evidence to actually pump your chest, right? And it's also where you should admit when you're wrong if that happens, right? But that, that just never happens. But I'm going to come on at the end of the season, after the bowl season, I'm going to tell you who the best conference is, and I'm going to tell you if it's actually a big margin or how stupid everyone is. Right now, and it's so hard to even compare conferences. Like, I'm looking at a list of the conferences, guys, right now. I have a piece of paper. And when you see them all listed next to each other, I, I have the SEC, Big Ten, and ACC listed, like, from left to right first because they all have the same amount of teams, okay? Then you get to the Big 12, and they have 10 teams. It's just so weird seeing those conferences and then the list next to them. It makes the Big 12 look really bad because the, what I do is I kind of color code my list. So I have a list right now of all the conferences, and, and they're all in list form from top to bottom. SEC, Big 10, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, right? And from left to right, that's the order. And what I've done is I have have them all listed out, and I have highlighted any team that has a winning record, I've highlighted green. Any team with a 500 record, I've highlighted yellow. And every team that has a losing record, I highlight red. So SEC is looking good right now, because guess what? The SEC has 10 teams that are highlighted green. 10 teams that had winning records in Power 5 college football all in one conference, 10 of them. And there was one team that was 500 and three teams with losing records. Three teams with losing records, okay? Real quick, Big 10. Big 10 had seven teams with winning records, two teams with 500 records, and five teams with losing records. This is just, I'm just giving you evidence. You can make of this evidence what you want. I'm just saying what it, what it is. ACC has nine teams with winning records. Nine. So one less than the SEC. They have two teams with 500 records, which is one more than the SEC. And they have three teams with losing records, which is the same as the SEC. Okay, then you get to the Pac-12. Well, they only have 12 teams. The three conferences I just read to you all had 14 teams in them now we get to the pack 12 it's weird because they only have 12 teams and it's weird so again i just said the winning records alabama had 10 teams with winning records big 10 had seven acc has nine the pack 12 has seven no teams that are 500 and five teams with losing records hmm weird and then it's weird when you see the big 12 let me say this again. SEC had 10 teams with winning records. ACC had 9 teams. Pac-12 and Big 10 both had 7 teams. The Big 12 has 4 teams with winning records. That's it. The Big 12, which is only made up of 10 teams, only had 4 with winning records, 3 of them that were 500, and 3 more that were lo had losing records. That's telling. And I'm not saying that the Big 12 is the worst conference. I'm just saying, how can you even compare them? Like, I'm t when you see them in this list of you that I'm looking at them at, it feels like you can't even compare them. 
Like, it's not fair, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people feel like the ACC was, like, worst conference this year, or maybe the Pac-12, but they there's a lot of people that would probably say that the ACC and Big 12 overall, they're pretty even. They're pretty even conferences. How can that be true when the ACC has four more teams? Okay? The ACC, just like the Big 12, has three teams with losing records. Three. Okay? The ACC has two 500 teams, and the Big 12 has three 500 teams. And when it comes to Division One Power 5 football teams that had winning records, the Big 12 only carries four of those, and the ACC carries nine of those. So... I don't even know if is I don't even know if that's me saying that the ACC is better than the Big 12. I'm just saying those are facts and it's hard to look at those facts and then try to make the argument the Big 12 is better. I mean, go top to bottom. The best team in the ACC is Clemson, the best team in the Big 12 is Texas. I mean, I mean Oklahoma and Clemson would be favored over Oklahoma. But Texas might be favored over Syracuse, which is ACC second team. This one sucks because NC State and West Virginia, they would have played this year, but their game got canceled. So think about how great that'd be for perception. We In this list view I have, we'd be able to say, hey, well, the third team in the Big 12, maybe they destroy NC State. They destroyed the third team in the ACC. That would be something that could change our perception. But since we don't have a lot of cross matchups here, you kind of just have to look at it and do the whole Vegas thing, which, again, I don't agree with. And it's just hard. And my whole point of even bringing that up is just to say the conference title, I mean, I'm the conference supremacy stuff is just a weird, flawed argument. You can't compare conferences that aren't even, that don't even have the same amount of teams, okay? And you can't claim conference superiority when if the bowl games happen and every, and if the SEC goes 500 in bowl games, there's a lot more parity in the conferences than we thought. But SEC always gets the pull stuff out of their, oh, well, that's because Three of our teams lost bowl games because they, they just didn't want to be there or NFL players stopped playing. It doesn't matter. You play the game, the results count. If you have a losing bowl record, then you're not going to be put above another conference that had a winning bowl record. And that's the other thing. I think the bowl record matters, but then that's also me being unfair because, like, how many teams are even going to bowl games from the Big 12? Seven. How many teams are going to bowl games from the ACC? Eleven. And 11 more from the SEC. There's 11 teams in the SEC and the ACC that have six or more wins. The Big Ten will be sending nine teams. It looks like Pac-12 will probably send seven. Big 12 is only sending seven. Also. Why is that not a stat or a number we bring up and saying, I mean, that's pretty telling to me. Oh, Big 12, you're saying you're better than ACC, for example. Well, let me tell you that as a whole, your conference is sending seven teams to the postseason, and our conference is sending 11. Who would Big 12 add out of the remaining college football teams out there that aren't in Power 5 conferences already? Could they add four more teams that would have... Oh, well, now that they have the same amount of teams... Those teams, no, the only teams left to put on your conference besides Notre Dame are all teams that don't deserve to be there anyway, which is why they're not. So, I kind of wanted to do a separate podcast on conference superiority, and I might, 
but I kind of want to just throw it in there. This has definitely been my longest podcast, but it's kind of the season-ending one. I'm only going to do one, maybe two more for this football season because, like I said, I'm not here to break down every matchup for you. I'm kind of here to just talk my my different theories about the game and what I think is important right now. So, anyway, guys, thank you for listening to the show, anyone that has um, this year. I'm definitely going to do it again next year. My goal is to turn it into a TV, YouTube-style show, video. So we'll see if I can make that happen next year or whenever that can happen. Love to continue doing this. Love college football and love talking about it. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll talk to you guys later.